What is up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of Boutique Digital Marketing, the show that tells you everything you need to know about digital marketing and business development. I'm Rita Sekali, founder of Boutique Digital Marketing and professor of business here in Southern California. Today, we're going to be talking about understanding opportunity costs. We also have a wonderful interview for you today with Ms. Shatoria Teak, who has this beautiful bridal shop, and she's going to tell us all about her wonderful business out in Wisconsin. All right, you guys. So we are going to begin with understanding opportunity costs. Now, if you have a business, then you probably have a certain budget that you need to operate by. This budget has its constraints, and that may be a little bit confusing to deal with. So what we're going to do today is we are going to simplify these constraints so that you can run your business in the most efficient way possible. So what we're going to talk about is what is an opportunity cost, marginal decision making, and what are sunk costs. Let's begin with the opportunity cost. So to first understand budgeting restraints or constraints, we must begin with what is known as the opportunity costs. And according to Investopedia, an opportunity cost represents the potential benefit an individual, an investor, or a business misses out when choosing one alternative over the other. In other words, you want to invest in something and you are investing in it versus the option to invest in something else. So when you do that, you miss out on the opportunity of choosing the other option. For example, let's say you have some money that you'd like to invest. And maybe you're looking at two options. The first is investing in a property that you can rent out. And the second is investing in stocks. If you choose the property, then you miss out on stocks. If you choose the stocks, then you miss out on investing in the property. Whichever of the two options you choose, you basically miss out on the other one. And hence, opportunity cost because the option you choose is costing you the other option, right? So hopefully this makes sense. And when it comes to business choices, it is important, you guys, to choose with reason and that the choice is not just like an arbitrary eeny, meeny, miny, mo situation. It's actually something that has logic behind it. So the question is, how do we actually do that? Well, first things first, look at your options and try to determine which one will give you the greatest return on your investment. And it's important here to know that most of the time the return on investment is monetary, but it could also be something emotional, something educational, or maybe in, you know, you're investing in developing a passion of yours. In our property versus stock investment, the potential return on investment is monetary. But that's not the case for everything. But in this particular question, or in this particular case, the question is which one will make me the greatest amount of money when investing um, in that particular one? So um, as compared to like when you're investing in a class, the return on investment is educational value and not monetary value. 
I hope that makes sense. Hopefully that you can see the difference. And the thing is, once you've identified your options, there actually is a formula that you can use. I know, I know you hate formulas. I hate formulas. Everyone hates formulas. But sometimes formulas are your friend. So the opportunity cost is equal to the return of the option you are looking to forego minus the return of the opportunity you are considering. So really what it is, it's basically the opportunity cost is the return on your best um, foregone option minus the return on the chosen option. If it's greater, then um, that's a bad opportunity cost. And if it's minus, then it's a good opportunity cost. Hopefully that makes sense. So think about like, going back to investing in property versus stocks. Let's say you are investing in stocks that will give you a 15% return on investment for the next three years. And investing in property would give you a 12% return on the investment over the next three years. So the same time period, one is giving you 15%, the second one is giving you 12%. So if you're considering purchasing the property, when uh, then what you do is basically you'd subtract the 12, right? Because that's the return on the investment from the property. And uh, you subtract that 12 from the 15 because you are looking to forego the, um, the stocks. So in this case, the opportunity cost would be 3% uh, ROI over the next three years. In other words, if you choose the property, you then lose out on the opportunity of making an extra 3% over the same period of time. Uh, so that's, that's that with the opportunity cost. Now we're going to move on to marginal decision making. And that's something you might be considering, or that's something, maybe a term that you've heard before, you're not exactly sure what it is. But, uh, so we're kind of going to talk about it. So with opportunity cost in mind, it is important to emphasize that decisions are made at margins. What does that mean? Great questions. What that means is that when we make choices, we look at the margins between choice one and choice two, and we tend to find a happy medium. So it's not as black and white as it may seem. It's not A or B. There's always margins that we look at. So what I'm really trying to say is that when we choose, it's just, it's not typically one thing over another. We typically compare the choices by looking at the costs and the benefits of choosing more uh, of one thing and less of another. And this process would be you know, classified under or known as uh, marginal analysis. And this is not something we just do when making business decisions. You guys, this is something we do that seems very intuitive. We actually do this all the time. It sounds like a big business jargon, but I, I promise you, it is not. Imagine... Imagine you walk into this fast food restaurant and you want to buy a burger and a small serving of fries, 
okay? And as you are placing your order, the cashier kind of reminds you that for one extra happy dollar, you can get the meal, which includes the burger, large fries, and a drink. Then you probably ask yourself, are the large fries and the drink worth the dollar? Then you probably thought that, okay, I'm getting a small, well, a lot more for a small negligible difference. So you went ahead and ordered the meal. Although this kind of seemingly is an insignificant habitual process, what you did in that restaurant was marginal analysis. And that's why I'm saying like it's very intuitive. We think um, we think it's this really complicated things. Of course, with, with more elements included, it gets a bit more complicated. But basically, you looked at the marginal difference. You looked at, okay, how is this better than this? How is this more of this and less of that um, make me feel, if that makes any sense? So what you did is you basically con compared the total costs and the total benefits of buying the burger and the small fries with the total costs and the total benefit of buying the meal, and you realize that the difference in the benefits is worth the extra dollar in the investment. It's probably worth more than the extra dollar in the investment, so you went ahead and, and, and made that uh, purchase. We see these marginal costs, you guys, almost in every market, and they're kind of like subconsciously make their way into our lives where we constantly have to choose. And this is something to consider when setting up your prices or your uh, when setting up things for your business, what's the marginal cost uh, where I can lure, not lure in a bad way, but I can have, make it more attractive to my customers so that they see the benefits of what I'm trying to sell and they realize that the benefits outweigh the cost. All right, with those things in mind, the last thing we want to talk about in this segment is sunk costs. So what are sunk costs? Sunk costs are... Um, a cause that refers to, this is according to Investopedia, and this is a, um, a sunk cost refers to money that has already been spent and which cannot be recovered. So sunk cost, they, that's it, they sunk, they're done, they're over with, they're at the bottom of the ocean, we cannot get them anymore. Alright, we cannot and do not and will never have access to that money again. So these costs should be should not be considered in any should not be considered in any future business ventures. They are gone and done with. Out with the wind, gone with the wind. Okay, so let's go back into that food restaurant, that fast food restaurant that we walked into in our wonderful imagination. Now you got the fries, you got the burger, you got the drink and you take a bite into your burger and it does not taste good. Let me tell you that. It does not taste good. You have two options. You can either finish the burger, that does not taste good, or you can throw it away, but you cannot get your money back. The money you spent on that burger is sunk cost. The money is gone. Can't do anything about it. So, the burger situation is frustrating, but you deal with it and move on. All right, sure, sure, you might tell them you don't like it and they might return it and whatnot, but that is a different story. For our sake today, you only had two options. 
which was to finish the burger or to throw it away. So, basically, you deal with it and you move on and you even, even dare to try another burger place and another fat fast food place. So that's, uh, that's a positive thing, right? You don't stop because one, one, one burger tasted terrible. You continue. And this should be the case for our business ventures as well. Of course, they are a little bit more complicated. And of course, you learn from your mistakes and you learn not to make the same ones. And um, But you should not base your decisions on what happened in the past, but what will happen in the future. So forget the sunk costs. We need to continue. We need to move on. We need to continue. All right, you guys. So hopefully this segment made sense. Uh, if it didn't, you could, or if you'd like to have any other questions answered, you can uh, send us an email at info at boutiquedigitalmarketing.com or you can give us a call at 909-333-5116 or you can visit our website at boutiquedigitalmarketing.com. Next up, we have an interview with Miss Shatoria Teak who's going to tell us all about her wonderful wonderful, wonderful bridal shop. So uh, stay tuned. Hi, what is up everybody? Okay, so in this segment, I have a very special guest all the way from Wisconsin and I'm really excited to have her. She is such a vibrant spirit and you can just tell that by just hanging out with her for a few minutes and you're gonna love her throughout this interview. My guest today is Shatoria Teak and she's gonna tell us all about herself and all about her amazing business, always and forever for more. Hey Shatoria, how you doing? Very well, how are you today? I'm good, thank you for asking. So tell me about yourself and your business and how you got started. Okay, where do we start now? Um, so I bought a bridal shop. Um, the shop has been in Wisconsin or been open for almost 28 years. Um, so my prom dresses have come from here. My wedding dress came from here before I bought the shop. Um, so when so the owner was... The owner was ready to retire. Um, actually, when I was buying my wedding dress, she was talking about retiring. And I jokingly was joking like, okay, you know, I'll buy it from you. And then a few years later, um, I had just stopped in just to see how she was doing and she still wanted to sell it. And I went home and pretty much gave my business pitch to my husband. <laughs> <laughs> and said, as long as my numbers look right, hey, we, and here we are. So. That's Two years later. Yeah. That's amazing. And it, did you see it as an opportunity? You said that you were kind of joking when, you know, when you first said that. Did she see it? Did she see you as a potential uh, client for the, uh, for the business? Or did she also, did you see yourself as an owner of something like this? So I own a photography business called Sunshine Photo. And I've dabbled in event planning for a few years now as well. So, I mean, this kind of just kind of rolled in with everything mm -hmm. that I already do. And and being in my fair share of weddings and I, I, something about it. There's something about helping someone find that perfect dress. And you just feel pretty and the princess for the day. So, But, yeah, it started I, off as like it was a dream. And I, I love it. I'm loving every minute of it. That's amazing. Praise be to God. I love the fact that you're kind of uh, talking about dresses and princesses and you're able to combine your photography skills with this newfound, yeah. you know, skill that you have. Do you feel, um, 
do you classify yourself as an entrepreneur? I do. I do. I, there's, a, there's a lot of work of being a small business owner and building your own brand. Um, it, there's something about the drive about it. So, yeah, I, I do. It's a lot of work to do to be a business owner. <laughs> it absolutely is. But that's what we're doing, why we're doing what we're doing. Hopefully help, yes. uh, help people build their businesses. So tell me, what is it about being an entrepreneur that keeps you going? And what are some things that stop you? or you feel like are hurdles? Oh, hurdles. Um, I would say COVID. <laughs> That's probably the biggest hurdle that That's I'm facing right now. a global hurdle, yeah. <laughs> um, other than that, uh, you know, you have to remind yourself, it's just like McDonald's french fries. Sometimes you'll go through the drive-thru and they are amazing. Sometimes you'll go through and you'll be like, why did I even order french fries? You know, so it's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, as much as I love to please every girl and have every girl that comes to the store walk out the door with the most, the perfect dress, her perfect dress for her dream day, it doesn't always happen that way. So that is a hurdle that I do have to remember that, you know, like I, everybody's not going to say yes when they walk through the store. So what are some things you do that helps people say yes? So I definitely, I try to put myself in their shoes for starters. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely want them to feel comfortable. Listening is the key. Like I try, you know, to listen. I don't want to just shove them in something they're not comfortable in. And here in Wisconsin, I mean, right on the border, like a lot of us, we hibernate for six months. So there's mm-hmm. going to be lots of pastas and <laughs> lots of food. So a size two dress doesn't always, you know, look the same on the one that's a size 16 dress, you know. Mm-hmm. So I try to make sure I've got a nice variety and I'm dressing everyone. So from anyone from a size zero to a size 36, you know, that, that, that makes you feel comfortable when you, when you're able to come in and try on something, it may not be the exact dress, but at least it's the style of a dress you're looking for, mm-hmm. you know, it's in this way, it's easier to imagine yourself in that size two dress if you've tried on something that's similar to it. So definitely listening to my uh, bride helps a lot. I love that. It's actually a wonderful skill. I think in every field, um, yeah. We don't listen so much, <laughs> I think, as often as we speak or as we think we're listening. That's the right. other one. Uh, do you feel like there's, the, well, there are big competitors, like, forever, for example, Macy's, let's say, or U.S. Bridals or whatever it is. Uh, how do you, you compare yourself? How do you feel about these as a competitor? Or are you more focused on a niche market? You know, um, as a competitor, I, there's something about a small town and a, a smaller store. Like I'm open by appointment only due to COVID. Mm-hmm. So I, I literally, when you're walking into my store, you know, it's, it's one-on-one versus some of the other big brands, you know, there's more than one person in the store, you know, the associate working on a commission, you know, it's something different because this is mine versus, mm-hmm. you know, like it's that home, that home feeling that I like to give and good customer service. I mean, even if a bride walks in here and walks without one, walks out without a dress, mm-hmm. um, my service is going to be amazing. And I think that's what really gets a lot of my brides and my mother of the brides is that I'm focused on you. I want you to be happy with your dress. Um, Cause my famous line is that in 10 years from now, when you look at yourself, I want you to love your pictures. I want you to love yourself mm-hmm. and your dress and still love your dress. So. I love it. Do you find repeat customers? 
like between you know when you have sisters like for example when my sister my oldest sister got married um she got it she got her dress from a specific store my sister my other sister got married she got it from the same store my cousin got married she got it from the same store so i am i'm finding with it being especially with the shop being open as long as it has i i am finding you know i I was a repeat customer my prom dresses Mm -hmm. came from here and then i turned around and brought my wedding dress from here um so i am definitely finding throughout the 28 years absolutely my prom ladies and my pageant ladies yes so i'm praying i have a prom season this year Mm -hmm. because i definitely would like to see a lot of my freshmen now that you know they're grow. I'm growing with them, you know, and their styles are changing and, you know, they're coming and checking me out first before, you know, they travel to the city or something like that. So that's beautiful. I love it. Where do you feel like uh, you kept or you maintained something about the previous owner's store and where do you feel like you've changed something and made it your own? And what, so what I've kept, um, so I kept a lot of, um, cause it's been through two different owners. So the original owner actually um, still does some of my alterations. So the, the original owner, so she still does some of my alterations in the shop, everyone. No, oh, wow. Um, so I kept her. <laughs> but um, overall, it's just the, the warmness of it. Um, definitely, definitely the warmness of it. Um, there's a few brands that I've kept that are theirs. I kept uh, Moon and I kept uh, Night Scene were two of the brands that they carried that I rolled over and absolutely love, love the quality, you know, and it's a beautiful dress, not, you know, cheaply made, but, you know, not going to break your budget either. So, and some things that I've changed, um, I, the previous owner did not carry prom. So I brought back prom and pageant because my daughter is a pageant girl and I did pageants back in the day. Maybe made that one at once. I did so too. I'm like, maybe. And like, and it's easier. Like it's, it's, it's fun when you're younger and now when you get older, yeah. I'm like, I don't know if I still got it. But um, <laughs> I, brought, I brought that back because we host uh, a Miss Beloit is a pageant, local pageant that's here. And Miss South Central Rock Valley is another one that are based out of Beloit. So instead of these girls mm-hmm. driving into Milwaukee or Madison or Chicago, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm right here. So that is something I did change. And with bringing back prom and pageants, I, I've done really good. And that that's, that's actually brilliant. And I like to point out to, to, to our listeners that you actually did uh, what you did is you looked at your market when you're talking about distances and when you're talking about people driving or these girls driving to different cities or which I'm assuming are major cities uh, versus yep. where you are located, which it should be a smaller town, I presume. Correct. Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. Um, yeah. So what you did I feel is um, you've studied your market and you found what is missing and you also look into, looked into personal experience. Like this is something that you did, pageant three, there you go, was something that you did, your daughter is doing it and you look, okay, well, what are the challenges I faced as a customer and uh, how can I solve that problem? And I think it's very essential that those of the people who are listening should know that one, you look at your market, and two, look at personal experience, figure out what's what's intriguing about, right. uh, uh, about your environment. As a business owner, what do you feel is the biggest concern that you have in, in general, not just with uh, COVID, but just in general? As a business owner, um, I think the, the biggest thing is, you know, honestly, you don't want to fail. 
Like you, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to fail. You want to, you want to succeed. You want to leave, leave something behind for your kids. You know, you want to have people remember where you where they got their dresses from and mm-hmm. just the experience overall. So I think that. Have you ever, I think everyone's failed at some point or another, but have you ever failed within the three businesses that you have? Um, yeah, I've definitely bumped through some knees and things like that. You know, I said, you know, you definitely felt back. I, I guess my biggest, you know, bruise right now that we're dealing with is, you know, I'm open by appointment only. I cannot have my store open like I normally would have and no prom season, no pageants, you know. So granted, they're not my failures on purpose, you know, but they're definitely obstacles that I'm or hurdles that I'm definitely climbing to make sure that the stop, the shop stays here and stays open, especially being a small business owner and a newer business owner. You know, I definitely got to make sure I, I keep my eye on it, I guess. I I hope so. And I I think you will. I think you're doing great. Do you feel like there's, um, there's something else that you wish you had done differently throughout, not just for this business throughout all of them? No, I don't. I think, I think overall they, they tie in together very well. Um, I think I do pretty good at marketing all of them. And, you know, my my overall goal is to be a one-stop wedding shop, you know, so especially being in a smaller town, you know, I, I'd want them to come in and not have, and walk out like, okay, check this off my list. I checked this off my list, you know, and they feel better, you know, when you, when you, that's all taken care of. So overall, I think I'm, I'm doing pretty good. How do you integrate them? So, well, I have lots of pictures in the shop. Um, most of them I have taken. Um, so that's usually how I do, far as photography wise um I always always ask them if they have their photographer and even if it's not me the event planner in me comes out um so I ask them if they have their caterers you know and suits and things like that as well because I do rent suits or sell suits here um so it's just more of just you know just conversation with them how's the planning coming you know and just kind of flowing into it we make them uncomfortable and especially they're so excited about this wedding day that you know they'll start feeling oh I've got this going on I need to find this and it's it's nice because I'm like oh here's a card for this or I can help you find this so it's nice I love the fact that a lot of them walk out of here feeling refreshed and they walked in here a bundle of nerves (laughs) absolutely I think it's uh, it's great that you're you're able to do all these things together do you find that there are um or did you change your pricing models? Let's say if someone says, okay, I'm going to invest also in photography from you or wedding planning from you, does that affect the overall price? Do you do discounts? Um, so it, normally it doesn't. I try to make sure I'm pretty, for my area, I'm pretty budget friendly. Um, a lot of our brides don't have, you know, don't have the family members or, you know, how traditional says, you know, dad's supposed to buy your wedding dress. A lot of my brides and grooms are, are paying for their wedding themselves. Yeah. You know, there's lots of DIY crafts going on, you know, yeah. they're definitely trying to make sure. So I definitely try to work with them. Um, I have in the past Lord, just because, you know, as far as finances, but overall I try to make sure my pricing is I don't want you to break the bank, but you know, you deserve gorgeous pictures as well. So overall, I haven't really had to fluctuate on my pricing. I think I've done pretty good with it. And what I meant also is if there's like a bundle, like let's say, you know, I walk into the store and I'm like, I want a dress and I also want a photographer and I want a wedding planner. 
does that, you know, can you say, okay, well, because you're purchasing all the services for me, then I'm going to give you like a 10% off or something like that. So usually I always usually end up bringing something free, whether it be an extra photos or something, but I, I never, because every bride is different, you know, she may not want, she may not be worried about the 10%, but she may be excited for the extra five or, you know, 20 pictures that she got, you know, so every bride's a little, yeah. a little different. So it kind of depends. I read the bride. So I have, yes. But it's not just set in one bundle. I usually kind of read what the bride's looking for, you know, if she's got, if there's this veil with this dress that she's loving, but she's not, you know, hey, I'll give you half off on the veil, you know, like, I always yeah. try to throw in something to make sure a whiff of what's in it for them type thing, you know, so yeah, I, so yeah, I always try to make sure I take care of them. And how do you feel like the, um, the client is receptive to these things? I think it's nice, especially if a bride is, you know, if she is a budget-friendly bride and, you know, she hasn't started that process yet, you know, it's nice to know that I'm here and able to help, especially like right now. I've got so many brides that are, you know, we're in the middle when in March is when March 17th is when we, Wisconsin got their shutdown. So, um, when we shut down, I had so many brides that were still in the process of planning weddings for June and for July and like, you know, like, and they were on the books, you know, I had the wedding dresses in the shop. Um, so working with them, you know, I think it's helped them a lot and realizing that I'm here. Mm -hmm. Um, so overall, I think they, they take it pretty well. I do want to say that you talked about the homey feeling earlier in the uh, in the interview, but I really do feel that. Um, it, it, yeah, you know, <laughs> there's a very comforting vibe that comes out through the conversation. It's kind of like a, a mother, you know, worried about her daughter's wedding yeah. dress. So. so pretty much, yeah. I'm like, I eat, sleep, breathe it. Like, I, I definitely <laughs> do. I, I want every bride to. It's, it's the most, it's a wonderful day. Even with the prom girls, like I do the same thing mm-hmm. and my pageant girls. Like I literally, you know, watch them go through their pageants, you know, how do we do, who do we place, you know, like it's, it's, it's an awesome feeling to just to kind of see, I guess that's the rewarding part is to see it yeah. all come together at the end. So, uh, do you have any uh, advice for young women entrepreneurs? Because I think, you know, a lot of women, there's sometimes this fear that, oh, I, I don't want to be too bossy or maybe I can't handle this or what, what would you say to them? I would say, um, honestly, time management is very important. And even if you don't have the support of everyone, if it's your dream, keep, keep doing it. Um, cause there's someone out there that's rooting for you. And sometimes it's, it's usually strangers more than it is family members at first mm. or, you know, friends at first, but there's usually always someone out there. And if, you are a mom and start in doing this. It's a lot of work, but in the end, um, it's very rewarding um, to hear your kids talk about what you do for a living. So just keep that in mind as well. It's very sweet. When you first started, uh, did you believe that you would get here? Not just in this job. I mean, overall, as an entrepreneur, since you know you were younger and you began your photography stuff and. So when I, yes, I've always, I've sold, <laughs> I have sold vacuum cleaners. I have sold jewelry. I have sold <laughs> knives. I just had to find my, find my niche of what was really, <laughs> really going it. to work for me. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I've always known I wanted to be my own boss and be in charge of my own schedule. Um, yeah, I think I've always known that I wanted to 
I wanted to change the world in some kind of way. And I think this is my, my little way of changing the world. It's very sweet. I love it. Do you, uh, can you describe the, the little, the journey that you went through for us from, you know, from selling all these different things to where you are oh, today? Boy. So yeah, I, I can, I can do that. I definitely, I've been on a roller coaster. <laughs> I worked in customer service um, from, you know, working customer service that as a PBX operator. So that's pretty much, you know, your morning wake up calls. That was my voice that they heard um, to working at IHOP and uh, cost cutters. Um, I've definitely had some jobs. That's for sure. Um, I had left a company called Zorro, which is a subsidiary of Granger when I bought the bridal shop. So I've definitely left a customer service job for sure. And I started off uh, Sunshine Photo once I had my daughter, and then uh, my husband and I are a blended family. So then after a while, we have two boys as well, or he has two boys, so a blended family. Um, after a while, buying, you know, fall pictures and, you know, sports pictures for everybody, you know, it starts to get expensive. So I'm like, I can do this. I love doing it. So I started doing it, and it became I started out as a hobby and rolled, in, rolled into a business. Um, event planning, I've helped quite a few of my friends get married. I've been a maid of honor, matron of honor, just about every position you can be. <laughs> I have been every position besides a, the, a best man and a groom. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got the whole lady side covered. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I mean, and lots of, I say yes to the dress and the wedding planner. Um, so it's just something it comes now. I like to organize. I like to see things come together and people be happy. So that's kind of how the event planning and then the bridal shop. I, I love it. I don't know something about it. I guess it's, it's my calling. Uh, I, I love the fact that I get to help people get dressed up. Even the little girls, like they'll walk into the shop and see some of the dresses and they're just like, it's the cutest thing. In like awe. I come I can, yeah, or I come to the shop and I can see like their handprints once the sun hits them, like you know that hole like this, and I can see it, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> so cute. I so know like, it melts your heart. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I, I, I love, I love that part of it. Like that, that is probably the most rewarding part about it is you know the, the little girls, you know they still get yeah. to dress up and modest and you know just that princess look still about oh, them is yes. always awesome. So. What are your dreams for the future? My dreams for the future. Oh, I definitely want to open a second store. I have not decided where or where or where the Lord's going to take me on that journey, but I definitely would like to open a second store. Um, well, hopefully wherever my husband and I decide we want to retire would be awesome. And yeah, I, I want to open a second store and then wherever, whenever I'm ready to retire, I don't think I'll ever really fully not have a part of it but I definitely do you feel like your daughter is following in this footstep or does she have her own thing going on oh she she wants to be a vet so oh, we're in definitely her own thing. Right yeah. yeah yeah definitely I don't think I want to I, I, just, I don't want to see <laughs> dogs running through the bride through the wedding dresses no <laughs> you may want them carrying the rings that's became a popular thing right there is. We actually have little dog suits. It's the funniest thing. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I'm like, yeah, you know, I try to make sure I, like I said, I'm dressing everybody. I'm literally dressing everybody. <laughs> Everyone who's walking through the wedding. I got you. Yes. Yep. <laughs> 
Okay, so uh, do you have any advice? I'll cut it. Uh, do you have any advice for um, for young people out there, young entrepreneurs? I know we talked about women entrepreneurs, but just in general. In general, I mean, whether you're a woman or a male, um, the biggest thing is that you gotta follow your heart, and it's going. It's not every day is not going to be a an easy day, but the fact, like, I still get butterflies when I lock this, lock the doors on this place or when I come in to unlock it and turn on the lights. Just don't, even on the roughest days, just don't forget why you're doing it. Oh, that's brilliant. I guess would be my, will be, would probably be my biggest advice is just don't forget why you're, you're, you're doing this. So. I love it. Well, Shatari, thank you so much for being on Boutique de Drum Marketing today. I loved having you. Uh, you are absolutely a blessing, just a delight to have in a, you know, in a conversation. I can see your shop. Oh. People can't see it, but uh, it's, <laughs> yes, so yes, yes. it's so cute. It's uh, so cute. So keep going forward. That's amazing. If people want to awesome. find you or your shop on uh, social media, where can they do that? Yes. So it is, let me just make sure I got it right because I'm not rattling off the wrong information here. So um, you can just follow me on Instagram or Facebook. It's always forever Beloit and Beloit is spelled B-E-L-O-I-T. Um, yeah, you can find me there or website is always forever Beloit.net. And yeah, Facebook. All right. Yeah, you I'm pretty simple so, to find. I'm the, I'm the only bridal shop in, in Beloit, Wisconsin. So. <laughs> hey, that's a really good thing. That's a really good yes. thing. You're eliminating all the other competition. There you go. Uh, and if you guys want to connect with me or with Boutique Digital Marketing, you can do that boutiquedigitalmarketing.com. You can check out our uh, podcast. You can check out our um, uh, weekly articles that we have. You can also email us at info at boutique digital marketing dot com or you can call us at 909-333-5116 and if you want to connect with me personally you can do that at the word with Rita on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and youtube.com slash Rita Psychology. Thank you so much Victoria for being here and Oh you're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I I am this is fun. I can get used to this. <laughs> Good. I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoyed it. That's awesome. All right. Uh, for everyone who's listening, thank you guys for listening to our show, our little conversation. Hopefully you learned something new. And if you did, don't forget to give us a thumbs up, subscribe, do what you need to do on social media, and stay connected. Bye.